When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Feels Like Weezer. And I'm Andy King from Real Rock, part of Rock and Roll Pantheon. Hey, welcome, Andy. How you doing? I'm good, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good, yeah. We And I actually had uh, Andy on with my co-host uh, for Watchmen Minute back uh, back in the day. Probably about a year ago, roughly, <laughs> quite possibly roughly, <laughs> or a few months. I think we figured out we had the same obsessions, so we just went with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this is a uh, Monday, um, minute with minute twenty-two, and it starts with the bus door opening and a band streaming out, and ends with William praising the band, and the band is Stillwater. So and 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 we are introduced to we get all three three of the four members of the band talking as well as their their manager Dick. Um, you have any thoughts on any 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 of the of these actors? It's the first time you see you see uh, Stillwater, right. and it doesn't really sink into you yet that. It's literally the best role that any of them will ever play. <laughs> so when you when you first you know when you first see them, if when I when I rewatch it, I'm always like, "Yay!" You you get to see like, okay, this is prime Jason Lee. This is the best yeah. he'll ever be. Mm. Um, in all respect to Doctor Manhattan, but it's Billy's best too. So, <laughs> um, I don't know that. Uh, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know that Patrick did anything <laughs> else. So, yeah, you know, it, that that's kind of what sticks out to me. Um, that first meeting of of the band, and just it's a little kid, you know, and he he just wants to hang out with the band and <laughs> yeah. job to do, and and they're just yeah, you know, fuck off, man, just get get out of here. Well, and really, and it's a matter of what he's really angling for is just getting inside you know, at first. Um, but you know, it eventually kind of does become this, uh, you know, doing, you know, doing an article, doing a, going on tour with this band. 
um, that he uh, proposes later to uh, a certain certain uh, uh, writer editor at uh, Rolling Stone. But um, you know, and it, 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 you know, because remember he's here for it's actually you know for his cream in, for his cream uh, uh, from Lester Bang's um, assignment. Ooh, an assignment. Um, <laughs> to write an article on uh, uh, Black Sabbath, which we also, we, we do hear a little bit later too, a little bit uh, of audio. Isn't the background music to the, isn't it a Yes song? Oh, yeah, currently, yeah, that. right. It, 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 uh, it ooh, did, has it, had it already started? No, just, yeah, it's just starting in the, in the middle of here, roughly, in the, during this minute. Round roundabout. roundabout. Yeah. I, I've, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing most of this out of like pure memory because I've seen this movie like sure. seven thousand times, mm-hmm. um, to the point to where I can quote it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like what I catch in this scene is just like pure naivete and opt- optimism, and I just gotta get in, man. I just, you know that that we've all felt like that. I feel like that on a daily basis. Whenever you know. No. And like doing our shows and stuff like that, where you're just like, I just want to get in, man. <laughs> what do I got to do to get in? Um, and and I, I think you did kind of mention uh, Mark Kozlak. Is that right? You know, and, and he's he's uh, uh, the main the main guy behind a couple bands over you know around this time, prior to this time, uh, Sun Kill Moon, and then also uh, the one I'm more more familiar with is Red House Painters. Um, so he's the bassist, Larry Fellows, and as as I was indicating, three of the four we hear three of the four actually say some different things, but the one we don't hear <laughs> is Ed Ed Valancourt. Now, now one thing, one one interesting thing um, uh, about what's actually happening here a little bit is you know Dick is Dick is real the the, the band manager played by Noah Taylor, um, but uh, he's really on the band about hurrying up and he says you know they're an hour and a half about an hour and a half late i believe um you know so kind of my question there and maybe you have a take on this handy is how big a deal would it be for a band like that at that point in time in in the i don't know this you know this early 70s um for the band itself that's supposed to be on stage at some point to be an hour and a half late you have any takes on that or uh, the opening band that's not a good that's not a good thing yeah. at all mm-hmm. um but the fact that they're opening for uh early 70s uh black sabbath <laughs> yeah uh, it kind of gives them some leeway cuz god knows what fucking time they went on uh <laughs> so so mm-hmm. it was probably okay <laughs> um yeah but uh you know coming in late is uh kind of a, a trope but it's not necessarily done as much as uh, TV shows and things uh, want, mm-hmm. want it to be. I mean, I can count on, I've been to like 7,000 shows. I can mm-hmm. count on like one hand how many actually started late. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's going to like punk shows with 20 people. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. guys show up on time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, I didn't uh, go to shows in the early '70s, where I was not conceived yet. But <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it it doesn't happen in this day and age, obviously. And I'm guessing at the time, I mean, it's kind of like a dead show where 
the band coming on is kind of secondary to the culture that is in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those early Sabbath shows, you know, I have to live vicariously and read about. Obviously, I don't mm-hmm. have a time machine or anything, but um, or do I? Uh, you know, it it doesn't seem like uh, that would be very kosher, um, especially with the tour manager freaking the fuck out. And <laughs> that tour manager is so obviously uh, based on Sam Cutler. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, and it's not, I couldn't find any verification uh, of this. And I, I have looked. Um, and to my knowledge, I think we even asked Sam himself. Um, Sam is like Mr. Rock and Roll. And he was a tour manager for The Dead. He was a tour manager for Floyd. Um, and uh, if you if you check out the uh, documentary Long Strange Trip on uh, Amazon, mm-hmm. do pretty extensive interviews with him. And he is... Australian cat. Uh, okay. He is like the most fun, crazy person in the world. And he just like lives rock and roll. But when I see their tour manager on, in the movie, I'm always like, that is, if that's not based on Sam, then, you know, golf. Cause it, it has to be. And the, uh, Dale Shannon in, uh, Wayne's world too. I'm pretty sure is based on Sam Cutler as well. So, so that kind of like threw me off a little bit. Like, and even rewatching it now after like knowing what I know about Sam now, I'm like that I've always thought it. And that is so based on him. And even with the way he says, fuck off is like almost perfect. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 will you kind of low, lower key, but then he really exclaims it for with, with the, with the, uh, uh, offensive word. Oh, fuck. Yes. And I even well, wrote, uh, I even wrote feck off though in my notes. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and uh, it's the phrase that got Gordon Ramsay famous, and mm. so you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how bad it is anymore. I think it's a nowadays. It's like you could just say whatever, and what it cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, just before that, uh, uh, Dick's uh, you know, problem. Uh, we have a. Uh, uh, we're, we're talking a little bit about Jason Lee. I don't think we said uh, he's playing uh, the character Jeff Beebe. He's the lead singer of the band. Um, and he's the one that kind of gives, you know, I, I don't know if they'd kind of, I, I, I would kind of have to feel that he and maybe some of these other guys of the band have called journalists or rock critics before um, the enemy. But uh, that is the, uh, the one, the one of the two nicknames that, uh, William has uh, throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, yeah, but it's it's pretty common with, uh, especially in that in that stage of of rock, um, where it was just fuck the critics because you either didn't get what was going on or you kind of got it too much, and they were kind of in that between. Like if you were critiquing one album, you just totally missed the point. And if you're critiquing okay. another album, you just like got the point a little too much and just it becomes either a love fest or a hate fest. Um, and that's why I, that's, that's why I like appreciated a, a, a critic like Lester bangs. And I implore every single one of you listeners to go find Lester bangs yeah. and read him. Cause that was the best rock critic of all time. 
Okay, so so you you do kind of think he's kind of in the middle of the road between the. I mean, kind of, the, yeah, but his the, his kind of extremes. Yeah, and I I think with him, like he understood like uh, Detroit music, where mm-hmm. you know, in the late sixties, Detroit was making the best music, mm-hmm. um, the Stooges and the MC Five, and it it's like, and he got it. I could see how because I've I've read like extensively I've read his stuff and I could see how every single artist in the world hated his guts because even his good reviews of his glowing reviews just completely talk shit for like paragraphs. <laughs> hmm, okay. Um, if you ever find it, his uh, review of Springsteen is awesome because it's like he bashes him the whole time. And then at the end of it, he's like, this is the future of rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I just read like three pages of him going like, yeah, this is everything wrong with the guy, but he's awesome. So, you know, whatever. Now now you were mentioning Detroit there a moment ago. And that's where Lester's from. Right. Uh, I would have to look that up. Or or at least he knows about, you know, know, because that's like, He's he's attuned to the rock bands of Detroit, right? Um, uh, but so so then the other thing here is is that Stillwater is we'll find out at some point later here. I can't quite remember when coming up, but um, but that's where they're you know based out of where they came from is the idea. That's what we call a segue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a fucking segue, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, but 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 you see, but but kind of my point is, is that if Lester knows about Stillwater, but then we we find out in a little bit as well what Lester thinks about this band, so it, it, things aren't quite jiving in that sense. I mean, what 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 turns him off to this band? Yet they're from the city that he he likes. because oh, I can ex- other bands from because. Like Stillwater and what we hear from Stillwater mm-hmm. sound like the Eagles. Okay. They sound like, when they don't sound like early Eagles, they sound like post Joe Walsh, kind of more rock and roll Eagles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Most critics absolutely fucking hate the Eagles because it's like sanitized, generic rock and roll. Well, I, I find a place in it where I, I kind of dig it sometimes, but I can see yeah. where mm-hmm. a guy like Lester Banks, who was like, and he, uh, and he, he name drops in the, okay. Just taking off the character of the movie. Right. Name drops the Stooges. Right. If you're a guy who digs the Stooges <laughs> band, like Stillwater, that is rather generic in their mm-hmm. sound. That's not going to apply to you because you want, you're going like you want the MC5. You want you want the Stooges. And then if you're fed something that's sort of like the Eagles, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to tell that to kindly fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Well, and another band that we know he doesn't like is The Doors. Um, but that many in his comparison at that point when he's in the DJ booth is is that, you know, he'd rather have the Guess Who. <laughs> Oh, would but and it all has it all, it all has 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 seems to revolve around the idea of drunken buffoonery, <laughs> whether whether Jim Morrison is, <laughs> you know, being that or not being that, and what have you. 
uh, a drunken buffoon pretending to be a poet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, you know, rock critics are, are kind of, and they, they kind of still are whenever I read, like, reviews of, of rock albums. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you have what you like and art's subjective and there's all that. And then kind of wish sometimes that people would, like, bring their own. And that, if you look at, like, the rise of podcasting, right? Yeah, right. There's like so many movie review shows, and I know because mm-hmm. I do one, you do one, you know. But you got to bring like a different voice to it, not just you know this is bad because the cinematography was you know fucked up or a little on the nose or whatever. And it's like, dude, like what what does it mean to you personally? So if you take a, a thing like podcasting where it's all democratized now and we can all just say like oh i you i can say like i love this movie because blah 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 and it's a completely personal story a critic mind especially in this time period when you didn't have that kind of outlet for everybody the critic mind was saying like no this is this is bad because you know the guitar sound is muddy and I just take the the MC5 for example when I've read a review that said it was not good it was not good music because the guitar was muddy but the guitar's supposed to be fucking muddy you donut it like <laughs> cuz you missed the fucking point so just in short fuck all the critics <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy that's um yeah you know i mean if if a critic, if one critic is kind of, you know, being crazy like that, you know, I think, I think that can like, just gives, gives license to others and, and they all get that way. And, but I mean, not, not all, but a fair amount, unfortunately. And, uh, other, others that, uh, um, actually kind of leads me to my next, my next point is what is a drive coming off of what Russell says is we play for the fans, not the critics. And I guess what I'm kind of wondering about is, is is uh is William you know is he really going to you know you know he's going to ride this line throughout this movie of whether he's a fan or a critic and um I think you know with I think we can take from what we know of Cameron Crowe that even though yes he certainly did write plenty in his younger days too um about various rock bands a lot of this mid 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 early mid late 70s rock bands um he certainly went off into his other career <laughs> which which brings us this movie you know uh writing you know writing a movie and then uh, writing and directing movies um but it almost seems to me like it almost seems to me like you know he 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 really was he really was so much more the fan than the critic in the end yeah he he's also more he, i mean he's way more of a i don't even know that i would really classify him as a critic it's just mm-hmm. much more of a journalist yeah okay um so when to so cameron crowe's kind of you know he's he's an interesting uh he he's an interesting case study in in what's a critic what's a what's a journalist because mm-hmm. he, he definitely critiques but he he critiques from the vantage point of being a super fan yeah. and uh, he obviously he i mean he is obviously a super fan uh, you can't mm-hmm. just him as a person the character 
uh, is the character William is a super fan and, and and Cameron Crowe is, you know, he has his critiques, but he's still like, even when he critiques things, he kind of does it as like, I'm an unabashed fan of what this is. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of do have a problem with what, what Russell says. Yeah. I play for the, for the fans and not the critics. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's art, right? Okay, yeah. So shouldn't you play for yourself? Someone else, right? Yes, right. Yep. You know, shouldn't it be? Yeah. You know, um, foreigner. They played for the fans. You know, uh-huh. and they suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like play, play for yourself, man. It's 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 art. When you, at least from my vantage point, whenever I'm, whenever, whenever I'm listening to music and especially like new music older music i I typically tend to like view it through the guise of like how this makes me feel but like whenever i listen to a song for the first time like i want to know what the artist is feeling as they're you know they wrote it this is their piece of art so this should be a reflection of them on themselves Mm -hmm. if they're playing for the fans you know let's do air quotes there playing for the fans (laughs) Kind of, you know, that's how you get, that's how you get the Eagles. That's how you get homogenized, mm-hmm. you know, just disposable crap. When I'm making something, I think the fans will enjoy. Because all I'm hearing is, "Oh, you're sellout." Because that's immediately where my yeah. mind goes, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I, because I just because I think music, rock and roll. I think all art should be a reflection of self and not mm-hmm. a mirror so much. So, you know, I don't think you should play to the critics because the critics want pretentiousness and, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of, they want, they want the artist to be the smartest person in the room because if they are the ones who are dissecting the artist, then they become the smartest person in the room. So that's mm-hmm. where the, that's what critics come from. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't want my artists you know, like that. I want my artists, you know, writing personal stories because those are the best songs. All the best songs are from personal places, you know, or drug fueled fever dreams. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's that's where that's where my enjoyment of, of rock and roll comes from. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not so much like I don't know when you say like. Oh, this is for the fans. Like, you know, it, it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna think that that's probably disposable, and I don't want to really listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, so could like could could a could a rock band have you know one song that's for the fans, but then most of like pretty much everything else. Yeah, you know, I mean that that's you know I almost think about like essentially my my number two band being Radiohead. And and there, you know, they they, they had that. They, they could have been a one-hit wonder. I mean, they almost were. I mean, except, I mean, they just had this amazing, critically, <laughs> um, certainly. Um, but they, they, I think they have a, a good contingent of fans, though, too. But critically lauded, you know, as well, um, a career. But the, the, the song Creep, and they really... For quite a while, they hated it, and apparently, more recently, they've they have come back around to it. And 
And you would never, in a million years, you would never say that, like, Tom York took the easy way out. No, right. <laughs> with his, you know, like, well, I'm going to do this because I think the fans will love it. I ain't, mm-hmm. He ain't going to fucking do that. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, anybody, yeah. if you if you did it through, he, like, he, the he, guise of, like, movies, right? Yeah. Like, like, I'm a huge Kevin Smith nerd. Okay, yeah. I don't like any of the the fan service <laughs> movies. Um, I don't like James L. Bob Strike Back. I mean, I like I like them, but like I'm not gonna rewatch them. Yeah, yeah. You know, because well, then it's I'm, just I'm rewatching. Jokes. I'm rewatching it with as a double feature <laughs> when when reboot comes out here. Oh yeah, I'm, you I'm, have I've to. Ticket, but, but yeah, like I think I think. But my yeah, favorite, I haven't watched. I've only like seen it a couple times, really. Though. So, right, but I've seen Clerks like. Seven million yeah. times. Oh yeah, right. I've seen Chase and Amy mm-hmm. seven million times. Mm-hmm. I've seen shit. I've seen Red State seven million times. <laughs> yeah, you know the ones that were just like <laughs> super personal stories. Dog. Yeah, right. You know, but then like Clerks Two, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Those were like fan movies, and I mm-hmm. like I'm a fan. I'm the target audience, and I I know I'm a, kind of a weird case, but like the references, the in jokes. Um, you know, Marvel movies do the same thing. I just don't care. <laughs> like, like the big thing on Marvel movies was like, oh shit, like Ant Man got tall. He does that in the books. Like, what are you fucking five? I don't care. Well, well, see, I like that Ant Man gets tall, but I'd never read any anything with Ant Man in it. So, <laughs> I, I remember because I told somebody I was over Marvel movies. And- and that was like the one thing they said. Can you imagine though? We got to see Ant Man get tall, and I'm like, <laughs> that was not uh, end all be all to me. The story sucked, and then yeah. like, well, you're just overthinking it. And then I get into the critic thing where I'm like, oh yeah, because it's not pretentious. I don't like it because I'm a critic, and I need it to be smarter so that I appear smarter talking about it. Mm. <clears throat> <laughs> That's that's great, man. Yeah, that's I understand. Makes sense. And and where and where that then comes, what what then happens with the dialogue right after that is that uh, William realizes there's there's a, there's a nice you know silent segment there, but he then goes into the naming of the four guys: Russell, Jeff, Ed, Larry. I love your band. I think the song "Fever Dog" is a big step forward for you and you guys producing it yourselves. Instead, <laughs> um, and we'll get there uh, on Wednesday, of course. But, um, but you know, going through those, you know, indicating to them, letting them know that he he's he's more aware of of them and and has a has a you know a, a fan's take, you know, kind of. I mean, it's, it's kind of critic a bit critic kind of talk. What he's saying, it's a big step forward. And yeah, it, but yeah, still... but he's he's not being yeah. negative at all. Yeah, and yeah, what positive. what a rock star needs more than mm-hmm. anything is somebody <laughs> to tell them they're fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know that's why like the groupie industry was what it was in the sixties and seventies and eighties. You know, it's because you need somebody to come back and and lord over you, like. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the greatest thing ever. And like, oh, thanks. That's, you know, that's why I do it is to hear that because 
I still got resonating father issues where he never said he was proud of me. So you just filled that void for me mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> that sounded way more cynical than I meant. It. I don't know. Well, no, but I, I think I think you can then spin that or keep going with that in in the idea that uh, I think at some point Penny. Uh, says uh, later, I think later in the movie, uh, you know, the the idea of them being the the, the band aids being muses and 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 you know, I, you know she uses the word project, <laughs> yeah, for Russell, um, he's he, he's gonna be her last project, so yeah. it's it's her playing muse, her satisfying him and <laughs> uh, in multiple ways probably, and just in the hopes that he writes a song about her, you yeah. know. That's mm-hmm. that's the end goal. Mm-hmm. I need a song written about me. <laughs> well, and what we get with this whole movie is a movie partially about you know, there's there's it's kind of again the groupie as far as the groupies go and the and Penny herself something of amalgamation, but there is definitely one certainly namesake for it for her. But uh so say so they kinda gotta one of the one of the most do you think this this could be like one of the most introspective you know movies about about groupies or, or that has at least at least has them as a, a decent yeah because uh, i mean normally well this movie does something interesting where the the groupies the band-aids the muses whatever yeah, sure they are uh three-dimensional characters mm-hmm. um which is Interesting because Cameron Crowe is obviously a cis male um, mm-hmm. to write a feminine point of view that's not completely vapid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of rare. I mean, you look at any of the other famous writers; all their women are like one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, just like they're there. Um, take uh, uh, Meg Ryan in the Doors movie. She has like no personality whatsoever, and you're trying to figure out like why would Jim Morrison want to follow her around? Um, and then the character she's based on, Pamela, you know, is obviously an actual person who who like had a personality and was interesting and funny and and if you know about her, you kind of understand why Jim Morrison would freak out and and be all about her, you know. Um, but because it was a, it was a Oliver Stone has never written a woman, um, character worth anything. Uh, it doesn't come across at all. Like mm-hmm. in the movie, this movie, which is interesting cause it's from a male perspective, a male wrote it male perspective. He actually gives Penny personality and a reason to be there. And even the mom, you know? Oh yeah, it, even the mom is mom and is, sister. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think that's a big. I think that's probably a big reason why he he could write that way. Possibly is 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 his mother's and sister's influences on him. Yeah, no, it's that's a it's a great point. I actually I didn't think of so that's a great point. Um, thank you, thank you. But, you know, that's any of the other movies when you get 
the rock and roll movies, which is yeah. what I special specialize in. Sure. The groupies are just they're there for a gratuitous nudity shot. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the only time you they're there for uh what I call the second act bullshit hedonistic mm-hmm. montage. Because every rock and roll movie has that second act montage of them being jackasses mm-hmm. and setting things on fire and fucking groupies and whatnot. Um, well, well, and there is a montage kind of, I would say, probably probably occurring in the second act. I, I think you know. Oh, it has to. Um, it's a it's a sta- It's but, not a rock but and roll movie. They're not. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're not. They're not being as jackassy as. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're they're Most pretty good, but like, uh, you know, like the only rock and roll movie where like that really doesn't exist is like maybe Pink Floyd's The Wall, and he becomes a fascist <laughs> dictator. So, <Yeah>. you know, like, <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a whole whole different movie. I, I'm working on The Wall right now, so it's like okay. Right, it's like cool. right on the, uh, it's living on Front Street on my brain. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know that's that's how i feel about groupies that's how i feel about their, sure. or that's how i feel about their portrayal in mm-hmm. movies and like having like worked with the world's most famous groupie pamela mm. um you know they're they're, just, they're interesting people you know it's you know they're they're really cool they're they're interesting they're smart they're funny yeah, this movie just actually does kind of portray Penny as as being a human, which is <laughs> it's refreshing. But it's it's probably why, like, I think Almost Famous is the best pure rock and roll movie. Mm-hmm. That's not a musical. The best yeah. rock and roll narrative, because mm-hmm. Hedwig and the Angry Inch is still the greatest mm-hmm. rock and roll movie of all time. There, I said it. Um, <laughs> but as far as, like, you know, the narrative kind of biopic without being a biopic, mm-hmm. it's because of, you know, their actual characters. They have depth. There's not a real history to go off of. So, mm-hmm. you know, things become a little morphed and you can play a little justice with it without you know being weird or pissing fans off for leaving things out mm-hmm. you know so <clears throat> playing to the fans as it were yeah. uh <laughs> bring, it, bring it all back <laughs> bring it all back man um so, you know that's, that's that's why i love this movie um yeah cool mm-hmm. and i've called it my favorite movie for years um it's been replaced as my favorite movie, but it's still like number two. It's <laughs> it's easily number two. Oh well, I'm gonna have to ask you what what's the first this time? Um, Once Upon a Time in the West. I I I, I just mm-hmm. I rewatched it one day and like, ah, it's just the score, the some. I was just the perfect movie to me, and it's it's long and it's it's a bit to, yeah to like really take hold of but yeah i think i've only seen part of it i don't think i've seen all of it 
Like it, it's one of those movies that like completely rewards you for being immersed, mm. and a lot of movies don't do that. So the fact that that one does, it kind of, you know, and and I'm not even that huge of a fan of Sergio Leone. I'm just because okay. yeah. uh, I hate Once Upon a Time in America. Like that's just way too long. That's bloated as hell, <laughs> you know. But and then you know, obviously, I like the. Good, bad, and young with this boy. Yeah, dollars, yeah. Of, of you know, the, well, of the three, and that's that's definitely my pick pick of the three. But I don't, I don't think I've seen the other two once or twice, maybe at the most for each. But I've seen Good, Bad, and the Ugly several, many times, maybe double digits even. Yeah, I go through I go through weird like couple of years where like all I want to watch are westerns. Yeah, wow. And um, so I'm kind of holding off on. For the next time I really get into my Western kick, there's a several mm-hmm. of the hippie Westerns okay, that I could yeah. do for, like, my show. I can, like, really yeah, get, like, right. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid with Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, little Big Man. Some of the mm-hmm. the more hippie. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that were just made by Pot Smoke Kids. <laughs> um that Easy Rider, that's a that's a western. So yeah, that's what I was, I was kind of gonna just about ready to ask if you if you're considering that one in there too. Yeah, yeah, I actually consider like I, I like I think uh, Walking Dead is a western. Okay, you know yeah. it's very obviously a western. Mm-hmm. Several others, but like mm-hmm. all those biker movies from the '60s, '70s, the Grindhouse movies, those were. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are. You look at like uh, uh what's. What's the dude that was a little rascal? I do not have a computer in front of me, so I can't um, just Google Robert it. Robert Blake. Robert Blake, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a movie called Electroglide in Blue. Oh, wow. Um, where he played a, a motorcycle cop. Mm. And uh, it's so obviously it has every Western trope in it and not a horse <laughs> to be seen. But then when like I rewatched it, because 70s Grindhouse, that's my jam. And I, I, like, I went back and rewatched it, and... I was like, if you just replaced all the motorcycles with horses, that's a Western. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, Walking Dead does it with, like, the Indian tropes and zombies. You know, just switching them up, so. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Um, well, that's, that's that's really cool. Yeah, your your interest there. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that, that you're, you're not just a rock <laughs> movie guy. You know, you certainly do. Do enjoy some others, other oh, genres I, and so forth um, too. I watch probably five movies a week. Um, yeah, wow. and that's you know I, I work, I, I run a company and I have three children, so <laughs> like that's a that's a stretch for me sometimes. Yeah. But and I have to get. I've gotten to the point now where I, I, I get really choosy about. Like, yeah, sure. Do I really want to spend my time? You know, so, like, I don't, I'm kind of, like, I don't watch multiplex stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I am excited to see uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, but Would, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm preparing to see it a second time. I am uh, going to try and go this weekend. We've got tickets to see a cool. Pink Floyd uh, cover band that's doing the entirety of The Wall. Mm, wow. 
and my son is like obsessed with Pink Floyd, so it's going to be his first concert. And um, next week we have Hart and Joan Jett, so wow. that's going to be a kick-ass show too. Um, but like, yeah, I, 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 I'm really into older movies now, like the weirdo movies of the '30s, the the Grindhouse, old Grindhouse movies, wow. like uh, Freaks and cabinet of uh dr caligari and stuff like that and then uh but really like my sweet spot is like the 70s um non-studio 70s movies um or like not that not not the mgm movies the universal movies but more like billy jack and shit like that mm-hmm. which i billy jack's probably my third favorite movie so yeah, because you get karate, you get hippies, improv comedy. It's got it's got everything you could want. Wow. <laughs> and I've taken, I've taken because um, you have, you have to play with the Paw Patrol kids, but I've yet to uh, see a full episode of Paw Patrol because we just put it on like leave. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. So when I'm playing with them, so I've just been reenacting scenes from Billy Jack with the Paw Patrol. <laughs> Um, okay. that's a so true you, story. You, you, you're you're, you're, you're a mashup artist. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of doing a YouTube video yeah. of just like recreating <laughs> like weird movie scenes with Paul Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, is there anything else for this minute in particular? Mm-hmm. You know, no, man. Um, and then no. we are going to have you back on on Wednesday coming up here. Um, but but before that, uh, we actually want to uh, get your um, ranking of the the four bands that are most commonly believed to make up the band Stillwater. Um, so I'll listen real quick, just 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 a reminder for our listeners: Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinnerd. Um, so have at it, Andy. Well, Led Zeppelin's got to be number one. Number oh one, yep, because. <laughs> They are the perfect personification of what rock and roll is and should be. Uh, All my brothers, uh, number two, not, uh, and that's actually a fight between Zeppelin and Almonds um, over who, uh, well, who I like more. I, that's a that's a big fight because I fucking love the Almonds. Um, Skinner's got to be three for me, but that's literally because I hate the Eagles so much. Yeah that they become four um yeah i i, I could kind of tell i think we were i was gonna <laughs> i could have put down money i think <laughs> um and i say goes last and uh and honestly like i i hate skinner mm-hmm. too um oh, okay yeah there are like three songs i really like by Leonard yeah. skinner um and they're not free bird um <laughs> which i don't mind free bird it's fine it's just uh, yeah. To me, I've heard it my entire life. Oh sure. And our radio stations here, when I was younger and first getting into rock, like it would literally play an Eagle song, two Skinnerd songs, and then another Eagle song, and then <laughs> like that was the whole day. It was just that rotation. <laughs> so, like, and I've had like my dad told me a hundred times that. Like, yeah, the Eagles, that's the greatest American band. And I'm like, hmm. wow. 
just you fucking stupid man it's not at all it's they're they're number one they're not even a rock and roll band i don't think they're a country band <laughs> they're very obviously a country band um and skinner skinner's a, a country band too but like skinner had a rock edge to it that kind of dirty yeah you know mm-hmm. um then they do and they personify where they're from they person you know yeah. their music does their music sounds like sweaty Florida drunks <laughs> and it comes across and there's an authenticity to that, that you can't, you can't yeah. deny. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the almonds totally personify pothead Georgia boys. Yeah. A, a bit know. bluesier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're influenced by, you know, yeah. the Southern blues and, Mm-hmm. Dwayne Allman is pro- he's in the top five guitar players of all yeah. time. Um, and anybody that denies that, <laughs> I want you to go listen to Wilson Pickett's version of Hey Jude and listen to the oh. guitar track on that because that's Dwayne. Oh, okay. And he oh, is wow. fucking killing it. And it's arguably like some of his best work and it was his first thing he ever really did that like got them noticed um just because he's so fucking good he's just so good in the pocket man like he's you know he's just he's great and like and i love like government mule i've seen play with almonds mm-hmm. uh, or warren haynes i've seen, I've seen him play with the almonds and he is he is amazing but he ain't Dwayne. he didn't have that same soul you know and i'm not trying to put him down or anything it's just one of those like you know Nobody's going to play that as good. Yeah, right. Yeah, when you're playing the same songs, you know. Yeah, you know, you it's know. it. He's yeah, essentially doing a, a cover band <laughs> version of. Yeah, of, and, he, uh, and he's for, for that one for that part for the guitar. Right, and he's he's, he's fucking phenomenal, and I love Government Mule by itself, but it ain't doing you know. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and uh. Uh, Zeppelin, I mean, what can you say about Zeppelin other than, you know, when you think of a rock and roll band, you're thinking of Zeppelin, mm-hmm. all the tropes, you know, that's all that, you know, the private planes, the groupies, <laughs> the, you know, the Continental Hotel, you know, that's mm-hmm. all you're thinking about Zeppelin. And yeah, they're just like, they're in some aspects they're a perfect band, mm-hmm. but they're very comprised of like not perfect musicians by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But you don't want that, really. You know, it's if if people actually wanted to hear, you know, perfection on guitar, mm-hmm. Joe Satriani would be like the biggest mm-hmm. selling artist of all time. And most people don't know who the fuck he is, <laughs> you know, but he's very technically proficient. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not rock and roll. It's gotta be a little dirty. And, you know, Jimmy Page, dirty guitar player, <laughs> fucking amazing, you know, and always knew like the perfect thing to throw in at yeah. the perfect time. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, uh, I remember, Years ago, they uh, 
guitar world did a greatest guitar solos of all time. Stairway to Heaven was number one. Mm-hmm. And it probably is. But and the reason that it is is because, because it's not a difficult guitar solo. You know, it's not technically as amazing. It's really simple. But it's perfect for that song. Mm-hmm. That's what made it the greatest because it's the perfect one for that song. You know, it's like having a glass of wine that by itself might be terrible, but if it pairs with that steak, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same concept. It's, you know, that's, that's why Zeppelin are fucking the best. <laughs> and, and you don't have a big hang up like, like you do. Uh, or I don't know. I don't know that I, I might be putting in poor terminology there, but with, with Freebird. You don't have that for Stairway. I've overheard it. You know, yeah. I I literally um, have never heard that song on the radio. Really? Wow. Yeah, it, dude. I'm, I'm I live in the South, man. Okay. And yeah. okay, Zeppelin, yeah. Wow. Zeppelin was not a. Um, mm-hmm. It's changed now, I believe, because like now I think you can turn on and hear a random Zeppelin tune, but I still, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard stairway on the radio. Um, yeah, I I, I know. I just heard it a week or two ago. (laughs) Um, what you heard this song for the first time? No stairway heard it on the radio. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, countless of times, but I know it was that recent, you know, I know I've heard it that recently. That's how often, I mean, they play they play several of their other songs on the on my local radio. I, I heard More. Black Dog right. on the radio when I was a kid. Yeah, um, and whole lot of love I heard on the radio as a kid. That I can, I have a, I have a weird memory with music. Like mm-hmm. I can go exactly to the first time I heard it ever. And your um, thoughts? At, I mean, you have, you you have a take on your thoughts at the time when you heard that then on stairway as a, as a what a 10 year old or something or no no like black dog say uh black dog mm-hmm. i was uh sixth grade yeah okay um listening to the radio walking through listening to a headphone radio walking through the woods and mm-hmm. going like oh that's a cool guitar line mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know and getting Going back and like asking my dad, who does this song? And he was able to tell you, or <laughs> sometimes he was able to go, like, ah, oh, this is Zeppelin. Um, mm-hmm. But he has cool. a horrible taste in music. I, I inherited his uh, record collection and it was all like Journey <laughs> and Asia um, and like prog rock and shit. Um, yeah. My my dad's fairly kind of kind of similar, you know. He he, he wasn't. I I don't even think he could have told me really anything about Zeppelin, but you know he was, you know, similar. Some of the progress, some you know, the little bit of Genesis or uh, Jethro Tull or Deep Purple earlier, Deep Purple, especially. Not not quite as heavy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I, well, the first time I heard Stairway was. Uh seventh grade English teacher because I was like I had I bought a Zeppelin shirt from like <laughs> yeah. Goodwill because um, we got all our clothes at thrift stores mm-hmm. and I found like a sweet like 77 tour shirt 
and she was like, oh, you like Zeppelin? And I was like, I really like Black Dogs. That's the only song I heard. <laughs> and she actually, and I, she would probably get in trouble for this nowadays, but she actually made me a tape of Zeppelin 4. Mm-hmm. And I took it home and I listened to the whole thing. Um, and it's the Stairway to Heaven solo lost my mind. When the solo hits, it, it I really did. It was a, it was a magical like. I want to play guitar so badly, mm. and now I'm in my mid thirties and I play guitar so badly. Oh. But <laughs> I did, uh, but I'm, but um, <laughs> uh, the other like postscript to that was when she made the tape. She didn't actually listen to it as she was taping it, so it just like. It ran and then it shut off. So when the drums start and when the levee breaks, oh, yeah, the harmonica cuts on. The tape goes out. That's, yeah, so yeah. so I, I didn't hear I didn't hear when the levee breaks for like seven years. Oh, it was yeah. <laughs> I was just hearing like, and then the harmonica starts. Tape shuts off. And when I did finally hear it for. the I was like, man, that would have like changed the whole way I thought about music, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> you know. Hmm. Um, but I'd moved on, I think, by that because I was really into Zeppelin for like two years, and then then I got like obsessed with punk, which hmm. is the opposite of Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, fuck Led Zeppelin for like a bunch of years because I was like <laughs> too edgy for my own good, you know. Um, like the clash wouldn't do it that way, you know. <laughs> but like now I think around my twenties I was like, Yeah, you know, all this stuff can coexist. Bruce Springsteen and the Ramones can exist on the same plane, you know. <laughs> and to where now like there's no fucking telling what I'll be listening to on any given day. Like, I'm listening to ragtime okay, songs, yeah. you know. Because that's been on a playlist of mine. So, you know, whatever, whatever hits me that day is, you know, 90s hip hop, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, it's, I, I, I often like to consider myself that, but you're even a little more so in, 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 in some varying eclectic, a little bit eclectic, but also, you know, you, you certainly are aware of, Aware of you know some of the more poppy stuff too, but you you do eschew it. It sounds like. No, I like I like I like some pop. It's it's a it's a cultural thing. I think like uh, with me, like I, I have no, and I'm not I'm not trying to be like overly pretentious or anything, but like no. I have no I have no interest whatsoever in modern hip hop. I have no interest in probably okay. any hip hop m- past like two thousand two hmm. um you know but i blew i grew up in a black neighborhood i had a black stepdad that i lived with for you know many years who listened to like 90s you know gangster rap wow. <laughs> you know so like that stuff to me honestly that stuff to me is like super nostalgic mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me feel at home makes me feel at peace a little bit which is i know it's weird <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like you know Huh? Yeah, I miss my stepdad. I'm gonna listen to Wu Tang and think about him, you know. But that's you know, country music. My grandma 
listen to like 90s pop country so like that stuff has a special place for me um punk rock for me was an escape because it was completely different than you know my biological father was all about prog rock you know Mm -hmm. punk rock was fuck that (laughs) yeah you know so yeah you get all these weird you know little melting pots of what you're feeling when you're feeling it and then when you hear these songs you know if if uh, if i hear you know if i hear uh dear mama by tupac like i literally think about my mom because she freaking loved that song yeah (laughs) because it reminded her of her because she was 16 years old when she had me so like she thinks about that like one day i'll resonate with that and so she played it for me when i was really small (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. probably too young to be listening to unedited tupac songs (laughs) but like that just makes me nostalgic so you get into these weird and i think we said at the beginning of the episode or, or we said it in the episode that all art is subjective and that it's personal so when you ask me to rank (laughs) for <laughs> bands i'm gonna come at it from a completely personal point of view oh yeah yeah that you know i don't like skinner because it reminds me of the hillbillies that i grew up around who were all shitty people who would scream Freebird at the county yeah. fair <laughs> you know with their confederate flags and shit so that's what it reminds me of uh-huh. and the eagles like remind me of all the plastic bullshit that like my father tried to push on to me for years that like yeah you gotta listen to this this is really good you know, the almonds but the almonds remind me of like sneaking out back listening to the radio by myself out on the farm and hearing that and going like oh this is fucking awesome you know uh and and zeppelin was just what cool sounded like when i was getting into rock and roll mm-hmm. music that was like the coolest band I had any kind of access to till I discovered the Ramones and the Stooges and stuff like that, you know, you know, Led Zeppelin's a kick-ass stepping stone. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's why they, it's, it, it's accessible. You know, it's just poppy enough that everybody can kind of dig a Zeppelin tune mm-hmm. without being, so I can understand some people don't, might not like the almonds. They might go like, you know, it's too country. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's too bluesy. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, Zeppelin's kind of bridges that gap. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So so far, Zeppelin has has definitely stayed away from being anyone's last. <laughs> and, and 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 in most cases, it's been it's been their first. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I, I, I do believe there's been an Eagles that's that's been a, a first though for someone too. So I think the only reason anybody would um, say that Led Zeppelin sucks is if they run a hillbilly neckbeard podcast, because <laughs> um, uh, and and they don't have any discernible good taste in music. Because mm. <laughs> you can read between the lines on what I'm saying there. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that show sucks. <laughs> oh, okay, you know that show. <laughs> oh, everybody knows that show. It's a fucking celebrity, another celebrity or half-ass celebrity doing a 
podcast putting themselves out as experts mm-hmm. um <laughs> where we can't have well. any valid opinions because we never toured mm-hmm. with like everybody's ninth favorite old country guy you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> fuck you <laughs> yeah fuck that guy okay. also yep. his yeah. main show apes our show so whatever oh wow okay um rock and roll archaeology is yeah that the best podcast in the world yeah that's a great segue <laughs> that's 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 exactly where i was going to go next is uh yeah please uh and, and let people know i mean is it just just google that or you want to give out a uh a website or, or any twitter handles or facebook things or anything like that um actually um uh I, I am not involved with uh, Rock and Roll Archaeology, um, oh. the show. Um, that is uh, no, no, yeah, right, yeah. Christian and Richard, but mm-hmm. um, I highly recommend Like, If you really want to know what it was like to be there, the sights, the smells, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. from an audio documentary standpoint, there is not a better show out there than that one. Um and as far as rock history goes, that that's it. That's to me, that's the pinnacle. Um, cool. And I thought that before <laughs> I was a super fan before cool. they hired me. Yeah. And <laughs> so they know, I feel like that. Uh, my show is uh, real rock, um, which is uh, R E E L rock. And I do breakdowns of uh, rock and roll movies, documentaries, um, concert films whatever whatever i'm feeling that days you know what we're doing um it's not a conversational based uh podcast it's it's mostly just me um giving out my weirdo opinions (laughs) uh but you can you can find you can find uh these shows on uh apple Podcasts, itunes uh, stitcher um all the places i'm on facebook and uh but really uh it, and especially if you guys want to keep the uh rock and roll conversations going um check out pantheon media um or go to rnrap.com uh cuz we are adding shows to this network <laughs> like crazy we've got mm-hmm. um at the time of recording this we've just added uh the History in Five Songs, which is a great show. Um, uh, Who Cares About the Rock Hall, which is a great show. Uh, And Rock the Rock Candy podcast, which is fun. Uh, Muses and stuff. I'm going to forget people, but, you know, (laughs) go there because every... We have a standard um, that has to be met. So Mm. you will not get a bad show because... Everything has to be to our standards where the audio has got to be good. It's got to be engaging. You got to be thinking outside the box. Yeah. Um, and especially if you want to know about groupies, uh, because yeah. we actually have Miss Pamela DeBar uh, and Miss Pamela's pajama party, uh, where she is the most famous groupie in the world. Uh, writer of I'm with the band. Um, and check out her show, Muses and Stuff, uh, Vinyl Snob. There's so many. <laughs> and they're going to add more before this airs. Because <laughs> when we find a good show, man, we, we, we suck them in. 
Well, that's great. Yeah. To a little online magazine. Yeah, I, yeah, I've definitely been a, a fan for the past year, roughly, of the Who Cares About the Rock Hall, and and I've I've dabbled in some of these others, uh, the Muses. I, I do have uh, a few episodes to listen to soon. I, I do have them in my podcatcher, and I've listened to a couple of your episodes too, and find it quite enjoyable. It uh, I certainly plan to get get more into that, into the, especially especially the big one you were saying. I think is the the archaeology one. Rock and roll archaeology. Yeah. Um, as of yeah. Uh, writing, I think we just we because we we're, they're going in order. Um, it's chronological right now, and we just ended 1969. So okay. wow. Um, and this has been going for about five years now. Um, mm-hmm. But the the time that is the time that is taken to write and research and um and actually record um we just we take our times with stuff uh a lot of time because we want to make sure it's you know the right you know is it the right way to express are we giving enough respect to these artists are we showing Hmm. all sides of the coin um so to speak but uh yeah no I, i totally recommend there's not a it's not a bad show on our network. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Except for maybe mine. I don't uh, know. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, uh, we'll see you again uh, Wednesday, right? Um, Andy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being on this this uh, episode today. Monday's Minute 22 we, we took care of today. And like I said, uh, Wednesday with Minute 23, we'll be back. Uh, and, uh, just additionally real quick, uh, you can find me certainly at lucky mustard on Twitter and we do have our Facebook page, uh, at facebook.com slash almost famous minute and our little Facebook group where we talk about these minutes, uh, after the fact and so forth, uh, the, uh, band-aids listener society. So, uh, until then, until Wednesday, it's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 